Welcome to the first episode of The Junction, the podcast that explores the intersection of people, process, and technology for SMBs and nonprofits. Brought to you by Venn Technology, I am your host, Mel, and I'm joined by my co-host and enthusiast among all things AI and automation, Chase. In today's episode, we're exploring ways AI and automation are transforming finance functions and why CFOs should be paying attention. I think this is something that we should be pretty comfortable with, Chase. We work with CFOs all the time to automate their business. I'm just kind of interested in, you know, your take in general in how AI is changing the space and changing your conversations with CFOs today. A lot of what we do is focused on automating so we can get back to what we're good at. We say that all the time. Um, and if you go if you go dig into that statement of getting back to what you're good at, it's it's really taking out the monotony of the work so you can focus on maybe a little bit being a little more creative in what you were doing, right? Having more focused insights instead of the monotony of typing into the keyboard, you know, over and over again, the same thing. Like if it is a robotic type process, that's something that should be automated. So you can literally get back to what you're good at. Let's think about this, the finance professional today, the CFO. Um, we, we've seen their role evolving uh, in the last, even just year, right? Talked to a CFO last week, one of our clients, that he is over procurement, IT. There's like a supply chain element to it as well. Oh, yeah. Like their role has evolved so much and they're making decisions now, not just, you know, based off monthly reports and the books and they're trying to keep that going. They're also getting brought into these big digital transformations. Yeah. So we, as you know, we held this webinar with CFOs trying to understand like, how is this impacting you? Are you using AI? Yeah. And we had some awesome speakers on to talk about it, but we led the conversation with a poll and more than half, it was like 60% said they're not using AI right now. I mean, I'm not probably not surprised, Yeah. but I mean, is that kind of what you're seeing too, especially with this role type? I think... I think a lot of the business world is still struggling to even get their processes written down. We've had such a massive influx of data. Like, I don't know, go back 20 years and we're working in simple emails, simple spreadsheets. And now we've got hundreds, if not thousands, of database tables. You just throw way more data at it. And now it's a lot more challenging. Um, and so when you tack on the next layer of that, right? Now we've got really complex data models, really complex data architecture infrastructure. Then we throw something else on top of that. Like people are still kind of mastering that the level below that. And now we've thrown something else on top of it. Right. Like these guys are really struggling to get that down. And that's why we've focused on that piece. And we're now looking at like how do we use AI to enhance the automation that we're doing? Yeah, no, you're right. It's good to level set there because like I said, even the same client I talked to last week, they were doing, you know, if they if they didn't have an integration between systems, we're not talking AI, just APIs, one system to another, um, they would be hand keying in information from one system into another so that then their other functional team could take that and go book the installation. So you're right, we're sitting here talking about AI they're still trying to, you know, we've got clients out there yeah. trying to grapple with like their process today and they're still hand keying information. And let's be clear, we are not, you know, immune from 
our own, like we're, we're a growing scaling company. Oh yeah. We're still figuring out and mapping our processes. And as we add technology, it's so easy to go sign up for another like SaaS app. Like, oh, hey, I'm going to go add this thing <laughs> to yeah, my like marketing stack. <laughs> that just came out, what, last night? You know? Yes. Like, let's just go sign up for it. Yes. You tack in, you tack in all of these things that are constantly changing. You adapt your process to that. And now all the things that you set up yesterday maybe aren't useless, but they don't like automatically adapt to what you were doing. So now you have to go change those things. Um, it's this process. Everybody knows change management, right? But it, doing that in your day-to-day work is way more challenging than it is just to talk about it. Like, sure, just change the way you do it. Well, if you've got you know multiple departments moving data by hand and you've got automations and integrations doing that automatically, like one simple change could mean hours and hours of work. So it's just a lot more challenging in today's world to try to keep up with the pace of technology, the ever-changing uh, process for your own company, and then keeping the whole team in, in alignment. Like we really struggle that with that internally. Like keeping everybody on the same page is a challenge. You take all the automation and technology out of it, and you've got you know this core issue of communication, and mm-hmm. that can be really challenging. So let's take it back to to our uh, CFOs. So. We're, we're grappling with how do we deal with this? Okay, yeah. Let's say we have our processes in place, or we don't, because you're saying, right, as these tools come out, we maybe adapt and continue to adapt our process. Some of the threats that were identified in the webinar, job displacement, mm. staffing shortages. I keep hearing this one, like it's hard to find people for their teams. Um, but then I would think, well, can't technology maybe fill that gap? I don't know. Uh, embedded bias, yeah. cybersecurity threats, data privacy also we're dealing with the books of you know the financial yeah. performance of a business like there has to be a lot of you know uh, gates around that too you don't just want to go upload your income statement into chat gpt right and <laughs> yeah i mean if, if you could do that it'd be great just tell me all the answers and if you did that if you're someone out there and you're listening <laughs> yeah. it's okay let us know just don't no don't tell anyone well don't tell anybody <laughs> but then like email us and let us know how you did it yeah I think as a CFO, one of the things that if, if I was the CFO, I would be focused on, well, a human can inherently do this better out of the gate than an AI model could. So I would be focusing on nailing down the process and ensuring that we are doing it, maybe not like 100% efficiently, but as efficient as we could get it. Because the moment that you add in automation and then you tack in the AI layer, like you're just ingraining or maybe say, I'll say dig a hole. Like you're digging a hole into that process. Not to say that it won't change, right? It's a lot easier to tell, hey, Mel, can you change that real quick, right? It's a lot harder to tell an automation or an AI, hey, I switched the fields here. You know, typically you have to bring other people in. So I would focus on let's get that process nailed down. And if I can't tell, effectively tell somebody, an individual, how to do this well, and if they can't do it well, I mean, the AI isn't going to be, you know, match this like magic bullet that's going to step out and be like, boom, I got it, you know, and kick out this AI, this human person. So when we're talking about start with their process, what's an easy place? Is it this takes, is it time savings? You kind of go do an audit of what takes, what takes my team the most time? What's the most painful? What's the, is it? a blend of that and like our business objectives and we need to get there faster? Like where... You know, pragmatically, where should they start by identifying 
those opportunities yeah. or the processes that don't exist? Is it just, just make a list, write it down? I think it's, it's probably the things that are most time intensive that potentially offer the most value. Now the value could be like, well, we got back 10 hours a week or one of the things that we see with some of our clients is, well, we were charging for 10 hours. Well, now that happens in 10 minutes. Well, but I still want to charge for 10 hours, right? So just charge them 10 times a hundred bucks an hour, whatever that is, right? Just charge them a thousand dollars. Um, so those are the things that are the easiest to pick out. Um, and that's really focused on the automation side of things. The AI piece is, is more insightful. Um, you know, let me glean information from what is happening. You take that 10 hours of automation, right? And then you put layer AI on top of that. And now I'm getting even more value. So I would focus more like let's automate stuff and then let's layer in the AI. Some of the opportunities that were identified in this same webinar I keep going back to. You know, again, we had we had CFOs, acting CFOs on on the webinar with us, and then we had some participation from the audience. We asked, what opportunities are you seeing? And there were kind of some use cases in the risk management, risk reduction kind of area, staying in compliance. There was actually even customer ret- retention, which I was yeah. kind of surprised to yeah. hear from from that group. But and then staff retention or augmentation. So we had this interesting dichotomy of staffing shortages mm-hmm. and finding, and then also, well, no, we can retain them using AI. And I thought that was really interesting because there's a lot of people out there wondering: Is AI going to take my job? Right. Is AI going to replace me? Right. What's really interesting about this, and one of the ways that I've started to think about it is that these large language models, and this might be oversimplifying it, but they they can they effectively amplify things that we are already doing, right? We generate content. We have these HR processes. We do these things manually. The AI can automate that and then glean the same types of intelligence that we do as individuals. So you take every facet of what somebody has done in society. And now you can amplify that by 10, 20 X, right? Like we've got cybersecurity issues. Well, people are manually pinging your computer trying to hack in. Well, now I can do that 20 times the rate and I can do it 24 hours a day. Mm. They were already kind of doing that, of course. Right. But now, you know, thinking about generating content, right? Quality, mostly quality content is written by hand. Well, I can train an AI model to write like you, and now I can do it 24 hours a day. (laughs) Well, naturally not, right? Um, But you you have those, you know, this idea of amplification of of the things that we're already doing. Some of those are great things. Some of those are like really ethical questions, right? Like, well, are we going to replace Mel with, you know, this Mel bot and start writing a bunch of content? Well, you better give her a cooler name if you're going to do that. <laughs> Mel, Mel's Bell. Mel, Mel <laughs> Bell. Mel Bell Autobot. It's like Transformers. I'm with you. There's some really, I've, I've been, we've been getting our hands on it here, right? Yeah. Um, I've definitely been seeing the light. You know, I'm the first to say that I was very apprehensive about it. And it was, it came from the fear of the unknown, right? And then once it was like, you you actually kind of gave me that nudge. Hey, go play with it. Go, what if you type this in? You even sat side by side with me and showed, right. me, showed me how to build a website using yeah. ChatGPT. Yeah. It's possible. Right. So, um, I you know, I definitely see it. It's not going away. 
we have to address how we can use it. So, you know, I'm thinking again about the CFO and kind of so one of the things that Kenny Kenny Mulligan, he's actually a CIO who was on our panel, said what he was excited about was the ability to put tools in place to help people do more faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's exactly what we're talking about when we yeah. talk about integrations and automations. You're talking about it more as layering the AI on top of that for that additional insight. And he also pointed to that as well. But you know, anything that we can do um, in our own orgs or for our clients to provide teams with the information that they need faster, or again, the insights, because there's things that I didn't, as I've been playing with it, I'm starting to find myself asking questions that maybe I wouldn't have asked before. Right. It's almost like a little personal assistant. You're kind of like throwing stuff out there to see what sticks. And then the answer causes you to go, okay, well let's, let's dig deeper on that. Right. Well, what's really interesting, especially if you've been on chat GPT, there's some other models that you can play with. Like you just, you, you start to ask it more questions or you start to ask your questions differently. And what I've found is that these large language models feel a lot like, I don't know, a, a young teenager, like an intern, right? Well, you're not going to ask your intern like these really complicated questions because they don't know or they're going to give you a really dumb answer, right? But these large language models have somewhat of a really good insight, right? Because they've read the entire internet and aside from hallucinations, like they, they can respond in an intelligent way. And if you think about ChatGPT just like literally being an intern, well, you're just naturally not going to ask that person certain questions, right? Like, because they just don't know enough or they haven't been there long enough or they're at a different department, you know? Like, you can ask these things a, a wide range of questions and they start returning, I'll say for the most part, like genuine, authentic, um, uh, real answers. I don't want to dismiss the hallucinations because they are there, but ultimately it amplifies and gives you a lot more access to knowledge that you would otherwise neither not know or have to go look and find on Google and spend an hour, you know, digesting all of that content. Right. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, um, I actually was talking about this over the weekend with some friends talking about ChatGPT, hallucinations. I said, what's that? What's a hallucination? Mm. Um, so I, I I think it's important we probably define that. So yeah. for anyone out there listening that doesn't know, what is it? It's a um, I don't. Some people n- maybe just naturally do this. Maybe it's I won't necessarily call it unethical, but when somebody asks you a question and you're like, I'm like eighty percent confident, but you go in a hundred percent, right? And then you're wrong, like you were wrong. But nobody calls you out, like because they it's a social setting. Like we're worried about it later, or they have no idea, right? And they just take you at a hundred percent, right? Like when I was explaining to my friends what hallucinations was, yeah, that nobody knew. So they were like, "Oh, that makes sense." Man. Yeah, you know, I, I'm confident I delivered the answer to the best of my ability, right. un- understanding because I've learned from you and others in this space. But yeah, so it's it's basically we need to be aware as we continue to use these tools that it's trying very hard to give us an answer right with great confidence yes well you want you run into other things the most the easiest thing is is you can tell these large language models that one plus one equals three and it will say no it equals two and you can say no it equals three and then you can ask it again what is one plus one and it'll say three 
like it has this mentality or this want and desire to effectively kind of please you. And it will try to do anything it can really to achieve that goal. You don't really see that when you're typing it out in a chat format. But as you train these models on people uh, and content that are trying to answer your question as the best way they can, these models, these models will naturally do the same thing. So they naturally like overconfidently answer your question, even if they're wrong. Sure. Yeah. It's good to be aware of. So some other use cases kind of taking it back to um, what we were talking about with our CFO audience, uh, something as simple as having it right your notes for a board meeting or putting together kind of a deck or an outline. I've heard so many, I mean, I was, I'm surprised by the number of just C-suite executives saying, yeah, I'm, I'm actually using it to help me just kind of like craft an email. Yeah. It's saving me so much time. Oh yeah. And then I can, you know, say, Hey, make it more formal or make it more. One of your favorite words, authentic, yeah. less formal, more conversational, witty, insightful. Uh, so I think don't sleep on the email Right. So if yeah. you haven't started playing with that, maybe, you know, start there and see how it can help expedite the time that you spend sitting there trying to craft an email or again, summarizing, you know, the financial performance for the quarter for the board. You know, you can give it some parameters around how many words and kind of give it some structure. That's one interesting use case, but easy. I think anyone can can try that. Um, there's also I've seen Typing in, you know, you mentioned using it as a Google search. So what are the gap rules for this or what's the code for that? Um, you know, I, from what I've seen, we had a, another you know client of ours that was using it for that. And he said, man, I'd have to go out there and search Google and try to find the right exact code or, you know, compliance right. to site. And ChatGPT delivered it to me in two seconds. Yeah. So even things like that. The only, I mean, you go back to hallucinations, and the only thing you have to really be careful about, and you have to do this with people too, you have to trust but verify. Like nine times out of 10, Mel, you're right. Nine times, maybe 10 times out of 10, I'm right. But that one time, I'm wrong. And if I if I rely on that information to be 100% right all the time, well, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in trouble. Yep. This, these large language models are the same way. You have to trust but verify. And if you're relying on the the content that it delivers to then go and uh, you know effectively risk your job uh, on the content that it's generating and you're not verifying it, then maybe you're going to get what's coming to you. But if you go in and verify what it's saying, and you know you do you copy and paste some of that into Google search, and you can validate that, then great, like you saved a bunch of time. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our last segment of the podcast. We're going to talk about headlines, AI in the news. So pulled up a couple here. 56% of business leaders are incorporating AI into cybersecurity. If you remember earlier in the episode, we talked about how cybersecurity was one of those kind of opportunities or threats, um, depending on which way you look at it. And I think, again, CFOs, this remains an increasingly important topic as businesses continue to embrace new technology or platforms. Um, so what I'm just kind of interested in your thoughts on that, especially just given everything that you're seeing. And there's a lot of excitement around how we can go use it to do more. But I do feel like I have not heard and I've not personally went and sought out what are the security threats? What should what should I be concerned about outside of what you've shared? Sure. The I'm gonna oversimplify again for for the um, the layman's out there that 
the the data that they're looking at is are the logs like when a hacker is trying to hack into your stuff logs are getting generated right it's a database it has tables it has columns or fields right and the ai is looking at those uh, at the, those data points to determine is there an anomaly here right like every time you hit our network we can see that mel's ip hit this well if we get something from out of the country well that's an anomaly those are things that we should start looking into and those are, that's what cybersecurity experts you know when cybersecurity first came around that's what they were doing they were looking at the logs wow this play, this this log is from china we don't have anybody in china mm-hmm. and so effectively ai is kind of doing the same thing it's analyzing the data to determine where those anomalies are so it can call those out and say hey we've had a huge spike you know those russian crazy people are hitting our network really hard call that out to those experts so they can then go either block the ips or do what they need to do to ensure that the threat is minimized. Um, so we're we're going to see a ton of that. Whether it's um, whether it's like the the software that's being generated includes these natural AI elements. I mean, you can really just attach AI to the 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 databases where these logs are being generated. And there's certainly way more complexity that goes into all of this. But at the end of the day, these AI models are looking at the data to determine where that risk is and helping you mitigate it by bringing it to your attention. Right. So instead of kind of, again, looking at it, we're more glass half full folks over here, right? Yeah. So certainly it's, it could be a threat, but it can also be used as an opportunity to help further quickly identify those threats. Oh, yeah. I mean, from a, from a cybersecurity standpoint, you're always, you're always trying to identify anomalies. Um, and so for business leaders, right, we want to minimize any kind of risk that we have from data leakage, like everything that we do on our network generates some sort of log or some sort of data point. Um, and so if we can use AI to speed up that identification of that problem, like we can knock that out, we can close that leak, we can de-risk or minimize the risk. A lot of these uh, things that we see in the news are from people just not knowing, right? They have no idea, and then it goes on for months. Mm. Six months later, they finally figure out that, well, the Russians have been in here for years. You know, they have no idea. Um, and so with AI, now you have this ability to see what's going on in your network faster because the AI doesn't sleep. It's working 24 hours a day. Um, it's it's going to be... And it, it already is impacting cybersecurity because cybersecurity is so focused on data, right? They're looking at the data. All right, on to the next headline. With AI, top CFOs are more likely to see it as a job destroyer. This this is one of those things where you you can look at either side of the apple, the pie, the orange. Like it's yes, it will destroy some jobs, but it's going to do so much more then destroy jobs. It's going to create jobs. It's going to make people uh, faster, better at what they're doing. And it's going to eliminate areas where we don't need people to do the types of jobs that AI is going to be taking over. Think about data entry. Like nobody is waking up in the morning and be like, I can't wait to get my Excel sheet and start typing in stuff. Like, let's do it. Some people are really attached to their Excel. If if you want to do that manual entry, you let me know. That's not me. I'm just saying. Okay. But you have, you have these jobs that really, I'll put, say like push your push paper, right? People are pushing paper. 
those jobs are going to go away because AI is going to take that over. Well, now those people can do something that is more important than pushing paper. So yes, it's going to destroy jobs. Um, but I think what's more important here is it's going to, like I said, amplify what we're already doing. Um, and if you can if you can take that in and digest it, then you're going to understand like the power of this. Like it's going to help you code better. It's going to help you write content better. All of these things, if they're used in an ethical way, right, are going to enhance our productivity levels to a, a place where we've never seen them before. All right, so let's move into a hot take. What, what, I know that was kind take? of already your hot take, so that's hot take one. I have a follow-up to that. Yeah. So do you think that businesses are responsible for providing alternative employment opportunities or retraining programs for employees where they are replacing them with automation? What is What is the responsibility? We see some of this already, and even without AI and the automation that we do, and the intent always goes back to getting people to what they're good at. So do they have a responsibility to effectively retrain or reprioritize what these people are doing? I would say in a sense, and, then, and, and not that they're morally obligated, but that they're naturally going to find things for these people to do because they already have the institutional knowledge to take on the next thing, right? If they're going to let that person go and then find somebody else to do another gig, well, they just wasted a whole bunch of time. So I'm not too concerned about this other than the places that have like hundreds upon hundreds of paper pushing people. Sure. Yeah. Most, most of the folks that we're working with, they didn't come in, especially into more like executive positions to do more manual tasks. Right. Right. They, they were brought in to focus on strategy and leading the business. Right. So they're doing things that they weren't actually hired to do. That's, that's what ends up happening. Right. Well, and, and above and beyond that, right. If you think of an AI as that intern or, you know, this new, uh, level of workforce, you're now kind of responsible for those people, people, right? They're generating. And when I say they, I mean the AI, right? Whatever, whatever you're using AI for, you're now responsible for what it's doing. You don't just to like get to check out and call it a day because you have to see and over oversee what, what's going on. Cause if you don't, and you're risking your job on that, well, maybe you're going to be out of a job. So there's sure. going to be other things that come out of this that, are going to be responsibilities that these folks will have to take on. Awesome. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Really hope you guys were able to gain some valuable insights on the ways AI and automation are transforming finance functions. Obviously, we we kind of bobbed and weave into some different parts of the organization. But again, as technology keeps evolving, SMBs, nonprofits, really all of us need to stay on top of the game and embrace these new advancements um, if, if we want to re- remain competitive, right? Um, we want to know what questions or thoughts you have. Email us your take at thejunction at venttechnology.com. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep exploring, stay curious, and embrace the power of AI because it is here to stay. Keep it automated. <laughs> <laughs>